Everybody said amen. Thank you. Amen. You're not even at the holidays and you're already in a holiday frame of mind. Help us, Lord. Well, it is holiday time. This coming weekend, Memorial Day, we have one service Sunday morning. So please be mindful of that. Be here. And uh, we look forward to seeing you. If you're out of town, just come home when you get through. Amen. I'm reading from the book of 2 Corinthians tonight, the 10th chapter. And I'm going, you can remain seated. I'm going to read uh, two verses of Scripture. And then I'm going to read, I'm going to read first from the King James Version, which I typically read from. And then I'm going to read that same passage from uh, the uh, message and the, uh, maybe a, an amplified version of it. But Second Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 3. And uh, they've got it up on the screen. So you can see it, but uh, let's read the word of the Lord together. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. I want you to read that with me, will you? For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. I want to read that from the message translation, and it's a very uh, uh modern translation, but I think it gives a, a little extra light on the passage. It reads like this, the world is unprincipled. It's a dog eat dog out there. The world doesn't fight fair, but we don't live or fight our battles that way. Never have and we never will. Did you get all of that? The world is unprincipled. It's a dog-eat-dog world. And the world doesn't fight fair. But we don't live or fight our battles that way. I want you to get that in your mind. We don't live or fight our battles in that way. Verse number 4. The tools of our trade aren't for marketing or for manipulation, but they are for the demolishing the entire massively corrupt culture. We use, verse 5, our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fighting every loose thought and emotion and impulse or fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. The weapons of our warfare are not 
carnal. But they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And that's what I want to talk to you about tonight, pulling down strongholds. There was a boxer one time who was being just beat to a pulp in the ring by his opponent. Every time he would try to throw a punch, he would get hit. Blow after blow, his adversary left him bloody, nose bleeding, lips bleeding, his eyes swollen, and he was in an enormous amount of pain. The battered boxer made his way back to the side corner at the ring of the bell and his, his trainer, trying to be the encourager that he was, began to wipe the sweat off of his brow and wipe the blood from his lips and he began to speak to him and say, Hey man, you're doing all right. You're doing great. He said, Man, that bum out there hadn't barely touched you. And that guy opened that one eye that was still not swollen shut. And he said, hey, then you better keep an eye on that referee because somebody out there is beating the way out of me. You ever feel like that in life? Do you ever feel like you're fighting but you're getting pounded? You ever feel like that you're doing the best you can but you're still getting the stuffings knocked out of you? Do you ever feel like you're in the ring, but your bell has already been rung? <laughs> I think all of us understand what it is to deal with life in every facet. No matter whether it is spiritual or physical, life is often a battle. And it is many times a war. And I want to talk to you about that tonight because I really, I believe the Lord talked to me today about Paul in some, uh, and I'm not going to keep you very long, but Paul was writing to a church that was very similar to our world situation right now. Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. There were three major things that were wrong with that church. Number one, it was divided. There were schisms, there was uh, confusion. Uh, one said, I'm of Paul, another said, I'm of Apollos. And, and uh, they were fighting and bickering and they had their little cliques going on and there was all kinds of tension in the church. Not only that, but he was dealing with people that were completely resistant against any kind of authority in their life. They rebelled against the authority of God's Word and against the ministry and against anybody telling them what to do or even suggesting what they should do. And they were consumed in an atmosphere of false teaching. They were being seduced by false teachers. Now, when I, when I look at that and I look at the world that we live in, I see a very close parallel. There's a lot of division. There's a lot of, of, uh, of cliques. There's a lot of uh, class division. There's prejudices 
everywhere in our world. Everywhere you look, people are dealing with factions and friction of every kind. Not only that, but we live in a culture that is completely resistant to authority. We're not going to let anybody tell us what to do. We're not going to let anybody suggest to us what we are to do. We have our rights, and we are a people that are consumed with our rights. What we missed about that memo was that rights come with responsibility. And so we live in a world and a culture where there is, an, there, there is a, just an automatic resistance to authority. If anybody suggests that we do something that we don't want to do, it seems to be first nature to rise up and say, you know what, I don't have to do that. And that's what Paul was dealing with. And then he was dealing with a culture that was filled with all kind of false ideologies and false teaching. And most of them were connected to the church. They had some kind of spiritual connotation to them. They had some kind of spiritual meaning to them. And so they were, there was this mixture in people's mind. They had made religion to their own liking. They had mixed a brew of their own liking and they were drinking it and they were actually intoxicated on something that was false. And so Paul, he addresses the Corinthian church and he begins to deal with these issues of division and the resisting of authority and and, and the resisting of authority had brought a lot of immorality into the church. There was all kind of sin problems going on. And, and then there was this false teaching that, uh, that, uh, that many of the principles that they had been taught from the beginning were not true and not necessary and were not essential. And, and, and it all is open to the mind of the person. You know, you believe one thing, I can believe another thing. And so Paul was dealing with that. And, and in the midst of that, he realized that what was going on was a war, a battle. And so in the second book of Corinthians, the 10th chapter, he gives us a, a little thumbnail print of, uh, of a, a a battle strategy, if you want to call it that, or an understanding of how to go about this warfare. I, I don't know sometimes if people understand this about me or about the preacher, but I, it is my purpose to help as many people as I can help. That's my goal. That's every time I sit down to study or read the Word of God or pray for God to give me a word. The, the, the thing in the forefront of my mind is how can I take this Word and apply it to somebody's life right now and help them so that when they leave here, they've not wasted their time. I've not wasted their time. They leave and go home. They have a tool to work with. They have something that they can do that will improve their life, and they will be a better person. And ultimately, it is my desire that every person that comes in this building would be born again of the water and of the Spirit, that they would experience the new birth because that is the foundation of everything right in our life. That's where it all begins. But that's my desire. But you know what? I am realistic enough to know that either on a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning or a Sunday night, I am preaching and I am speaking to people that do not want help. 
I, I'm, I'm, I, I didn't get past too many grades, but I got past that grade to understand that just because people come to church doesn't mean they want to be helped. It doesn't mean they're interested. I have met too many people in my life that like being broke, busted, and disgusted. I've met too many people in my life that love being messed up. I've met too many people that love being miserable. Their theme song is Bonnie Raitt's song, I Don't Want Anything to Change. They love being miserable. They love being messed up. And they would rather talk about their problem than fix their problem or find a solution to their problem. I know that. I realize that. I realize that tonight, some of you are here because of faithfulness. Some of you are here maybe because of obligation. But most of us are here out of choice. But even we who have chosen to come here do not always come with a mind that is open to receive something from God so that when we leave here, we have something in our hand that when we go back into life, when we go back to the daily grind, we've got something in our possession that will enable us to win a battle that we are fighting in our life. There are those here tonight I know that want answers, and I believe you come I do believe that you come hungry for direction. And I want to talk to you tonight about something that can be life-changing. Not just can be, it will be, and it is life-changing. And that's something that I want to talk to you about is tearing down strongholds in your life. Now, some of you may think you're spiritual enough that you don't have any, but I've never met a person yet that didn't have some kind of of spiritual battle that they fought. Whether they've lived for God for 10 years or 50 years, you're going to have some kind of battle in your life. And so I want to talk to you about pulling down strongholds. And I want to start by giving you the definition of a stronghold. A stronghold is any area of your life that you have lost control of. That's a stronghold. Whether it's your temper. Or your lust. Or passion. Or your financial checkbook. If there is an area of your life. That you have lost control of. That is what the scripture refers to as a stronghold. It is an avenue through which your enemy can have access to your life and by having access to your life can mess your life up and keep your life messed up and keep you on the wrong foot and keep you stumbling through life. And strongholds come in every shape, in every design, and within, in every imaginal area. A stronghold is a mindset that accepts a situation as unchangeable even though the situation is contrary to the word and the will of God. That's a stronghold. 
And so a stronghold or a foothold becomes access to your life. It becomes a doorway through which your enemy, whether it be the flesh that you live in or the devil that hates all of us, that wants all of us to crash and burn. A stronghold is a doorway through which he can access our life and by accessing our life can wreak havoc and cause misery and it is a way by which he can get through and gain access into who we are and what we are. It's a stronghold. A stronghold is any area of your life that you have lost control of. Now, before you say, Brother Hughes, I don't have any strongholds in my life, you better think really, really hard. Is there any area of your life that you don't have control of tonight? Then that is deemed, I'm not condemning you, I'm just saying that is deemed a stronghold. And my message, my purpose tonight is to help you and help myself. We need to reach up and take hold of some strongholds and pull them down. We need to reach up and take hold of those things that are messing our life up and causing us misery and get hold of them and just rip them down and say enough is enough. I'm tired of being a puppet on a string I'm tired of every time I turn around, this thing keeps popping back up. You know how to stop it? you got to reach up and take hold of that stronghold and pull it down. Nobody else can do that for you. Nobody else can do that for you. And I come tonight to tell you, I want to help you. I want to say something tonight that will help you know how to do that. That will help you know how. To stop the enemy of your life, the, the devil himself, and your own flesh from wrecking and ruining your life. There are people here right now, people whose lives at one time was in total disarray until they got enough and they said, you know what? I'm tired of the devil seeming to have access to my life. Every time I turn around, I'm facing him again. And they got serious before God and they reached up in their life and they pulled that thing down and they destroyed that avenue and that access or that channel through which the enemy had been able to slip into their house or slip into their life or come into their thinking or mind or however he would deem a way to get there come to their thought processes we need to reach up and tear it down everybody say tear it down somebody tonight needs to say enough of this misery enough of this confusion enough of this frustration enough i'm tired of fighting the same battle and you know the truth is we're all engaged of of battles of some kind. Nobody in this building is exempt from that. And these battles affect every area of our life. And there is no way that you can avoid them. They're just part of life. They're just part of, uh, of existing. And there is no bunker that you can hunker down in. And there is no place that you can crawl away to and get away from them. And we see the results 
of the battle everywhere we look, every place that you look, depression, discouragement, broken homes, messed up lives, moral failures, strife, conflict, war, feuding, battles for, for control of our temper, battles for control of our lust, battles over control of our desire, battle for control over our passion, battle for control over our finances, battle for control over our relationship, emotional issues, uncontrolled emotional issues, family issues, moral issues, all of those things are affecting our lives in some way. Maybe not all of them, but I said at least one thing that you have made connection to tonight. Let me just say something about family issues. The devil messed up the first family. So don't think that your family is not going to be a target for the devil. If he went after the first family, he's going to come after my family. I'm not afraid of that. I'm not intimidated by that. I'm just knowledgeable of that. And when you are forewarned, you can be forearmed. Amen. When you know ahead of time, you don't get sucker punched. You don't, you don't come into a place where you're caught off guard. And so I know that. I know that the devil went after the first family, so he's going to attack my family. I know that he went after the first woman. He's going to attack the women in this church. He went after the first man through the first woman. And he's going to keep going after men through women. I mean, that doesn't take a genius to figure that out. And then you go on down the line and you see how the hatred was born. The, the, the animosity between Cain and Abel and all of the friction that went on. And the murder of, of, of a brother and, and, and the whole race begins. And, and if that happened there, I'm not going to be exempt. So I need to be prepared. And I need to do the right thing. Ephesians 4, 25 through 27. I, I didn't put that in my notes, but I want you to turn there. If they could pull it up on the screen. Ephesians 4, verse 25 through verse 27. Another principle that, that I think you, you need to be made aware of. In the fourth chapter of Ephesians, verse 25, it says, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Verse 26, he said, Be ye angry and sin not. He's talking about emotional issues. He's talking about anger issues here. And he gives a keen insight that a lot of people read over. But you need to listen carefully. He said in verse number 26, Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down on your wrath. Neither that sentence didn't stop. There is in my Bible a colon. That means a continuation of the thought. And the continuation of the thought is actually an explanation of what he's just saying. That you, the reason that you need to be able to control your anger, because if you don't do that, 
your anger is going to become an avenue through which the enemy has access into your life. He said it like this, be angry and sin not, let not the sun go down on your wrath, neither give place to the devil. The word give place means to give a foothold. Give a foothold. To allow the enemy a foothold that when you you lose control of your anger or you lose control of your emotions or your passions and you allow them to run rampant that you are actually allowing the devil to notch out a foothold so he can gain access into your life. And so he will come back to that over and over again. How many of you have dogs? You ever had a, a yard dog? Anybody have yard dogs? You ever had a yard dog that would, wouldn't stay inside the fence? They'd go dig a hole and you'd go cover that hole up and he'd come and redig that hole because he had found access out of there. He had found, he'll come back to that same spot until you pour concrete in that spot. He'll keep coming back there because he learned the first time that's a way for me to get out. It's the same principle that Paul was trying to give the Ephesian. He said that's all that the enemy of your life is looking for is a foothold that he can gain access into your life. And once he gains it, once he finds that place, once he finds that weakness, once he finds that break in the wall, he's going to keep coming back to that until you deal with it. Until you learn what to do and how to fix that problem. And so he will keep coming back to that same spot. That's why you need to know how to defend yourself. That's why you need to know how to do battle. That's why you need to know how to reach up and pull that stronghold down. Some of us may not be doing too well tonight in the fight. And there's some of us that are frustrated because we're waging a war, but we're not being successful. I have often asked myself, what is the difference? What makes the difference between those who succeed in life and those who fail? What, what's the difference between the person who overcomes and the person who is overcome? Is it genetic? Is it something in, in, in the intellect? Is it something in the gifting? What does it what is it about some people that they can walk away from addictive habits or addictive relationships or or or, or problem uh, passions that are uh, that just run rampant in their life and ruin how is it that some people can walk away from that and other people seem to continually struggle in that 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 area they never seem to get through maybe we are trying to fight the wrong way or maybe we don't know how to fight that battle. Many of the things that people are doing today to try to fix problems are only misplaced activities that bring on greater frustration. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you two things that Paul shared here in this book of Corinthians that we just read from a while ago. Why people are defeated and why people continually struggle and they go in that same and the first thing is the first thing is that uh, that I believe is the difference between people who succeed and those who is that some people listen to me they learn how to fight the battle they learn how to fight the battle 
Everybody say how. The simple fact that you are fighting the battle and trying does not mean you're going to win or succeed. You have to know how to fight. Now, I, I can fight. I mean, it's, you know, I, I can get in a boxing ring and, 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 and put on gloves. I've done that before. But I'm just here to tell you tonight that if Muhammad Ali or Sugar Ray Robinson or any of, or Sugar Ray Leonard or whoever else invited me into a boxing match, I would be no match for them because I don't really know how to box. I know how to fight, street fight or whatever, but I don't know the techniques. I don't know about this weaving and bobbing and float like a butterfly and sting like a bee. I don't know much about that. So in order for me to win the victory, in order for me to pull down strongholds, I have to first of all know how to fight. What is the first thing that they do to young men who come into the military? They break them down day by day until they come to a point in their life where they say, yes, sir. Yes, sir. You're right, sir. No, sir. Yes, sir. You're right, sir. Am I telling the truth, Brother Travis? They will break them down until they will obey orders explicitly. And then, once they get them in that frame of mind, then they start teaching them how to do battle. How to, how to fight. And, and war has changed over the years. It's, now it's, you know, since Vietnam, the guerrilla warfare, it, everything has changed. You, you don't know who your enemy is. So they teach them how to fight. And learning how to fight is, is a simple principle that is the key to my pulling down strongholds. I have to learn how to fight. And this is what you have to remember. Everything visible, everything physical results from an invisible or spiritual source. There is no one that does anything in their life I don't care what that action is, whether it's rob a bank, kill a person, steal some money. It doesn't matter what you, there's nobody that does that before they first have a thought about that. So there is something invisible. You cannot see that, that transpires before there is a physical reality. And my point is simply this, that there is a spiritual addressing of problems before there will ever be a physical cure for those problems. And you have to address it from that perspective. And so that's why Paul said, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Now, give you a little information. Number one. Flesh has two meanings. Number one, 
It speaks about humanity, uh, just a physical being, just you as a flesh and blood, that you, you're not an angel, you're not a ghost, you're not an aberration, you are a living, breathing, you've got blood flowing through your veins, you've got arteries, you've got a heart, you've got lungs, you're a human being. But the other side of that word flesh refers to that part of your human nature which gives a bridge or access to sin. The flesh is the traitor in the camp. The flesh is that mole in the Pentagon. And so the flesh becomes the bridge by which sin has access to my life. And it, the essential weakness of life without God is basically what it's talking about. And so Paul says that we do, though we walk in, though we are physical beings, though we are flesh and blood, we do not war after that thinking of life without God, or we do not operate our life under the principle of life without God. That's not the way that we, we, don't, we don't fight on the devil's terms. Now, I'm not real smart, but one of the first things I learned about keeping myself on the winning side was learning where to fight my battles. I'm not going to fight on your terms. I hate to tell you that, but if you ever get in a fight with me, I'm not fighting on your terms. You know why? Because I have all of the odds stacked against me. If I'm going to fight, I'm going to fight on my terms. I'm going to fight on my turf. I remember, I've told you this before, but a kid across the street from us when we were kids stole my shoes. I mean, a pair of shoes. They'd steal anything, but they stole my shoes. And uh, they were blue leather suede, if you can believe that. Wow, what a thought. <clears throat> and I knew he stole them. And so I told him, I saw him in the hall at school, and I said, I'm going to, Floyd, I'm going to beat you up. I'm going I'm to whip you today. And Floyd probably could have whipped me if the truth was known, but Floyd had three or four brothers, and Floyd never fought by himself. And so I chased that kid all the way home, never could catch up with him. And uh, a little while, here come big brother, come pouncing out of the house. And he stood on the edge of his property, and he called me punk and everything else you can imagine. He tried to you know, entice me to come across the street. You know what? If I'm going to get whipped, I'm going to get whipped on my turf too. But I'm not fighting on your territory. And Paul's trying to say, don't fight your battles on the devil's turf. And the flesh is the devil's, that's his turf. Fight your battles on ground that will give you the opportunity to win. And then you've got to make sure you have the right weapons. If you're going to wage a warfare and be successful, you've got to have the right weapon. And many of us are shopping 
in the wrong places for our weapons. I, I had a, uh, the, I didn't even know what it was called until I called the parts store, but I had a windshield jet. I didn't even know that um, trucks had jets, but it's the little bitty black thing that sits up on your hood that shoots out the water from your, your windshield washer. Mine, I, I broke it the other day, just uh, being a little bit too uh, harsh with it, handling it too hard. And so I had to go get one. Now, I want to tell you, I could have gone through every Walmart on this side of heaven and been there till Jesus comes, and I would never have found what I needed to fix that windshield problem. I had to go to the right store. I had to go to the Ford parts place in order to find what I needed to fix my truck. And my point is, we go, oh Lord, help me right now. We'll go to every other store than the store we need to go to to try to find the answer to our problem. And then when we don't find it, we just get mad and go break the, go break the other one. You've got to go to the right place. God made us. Don't you think if He made us, we ought to listen to what He says about us? Don't you think if God breathed into us the breath of life, we ought to read at least a little something about what He said about that life? I mean, we live in a culture where anger issues are being dealt with on Oprah Winfrey. Or Jerry Springer. Folks, I don't care. I'm not berating Oprah Winfrey. and I, Well, I am berating Jerry Springer. But I don't care. You can go sit on Oprah's show. You can go sit on whoever the doctor was. Dr. Oz. That was, you, you can go sit anywhere you want to. You're not going to find the ultimate answer to your problem until you go back to the source you go back to the instruction manual. And you know what I've discovered? Every one of those guys, every one of those women are parrots, parrots of what's in this book right here. Even the New Agers and the philosophers find the core of their teaching. The principles are in the Word of God. So you have to know how to fight. Anger issues. There are couples that are having marital problems in our world and they're trying to find solutions in Cosmopolitan magazine or People magazine. I mean, you know, we, we, we are, people are struggling with problems and they're going to the wrong place to try to find answers. I want to direct you back to some answers. Prayer is still an answer. You say, Brother Hughes, I prayed and nothing happened. Well, pray again. How many other things have you done in life and had to do it more than once? How many of you have only brushed your teeth one time in your life? You had to do it every day, don't you? Two or three times a day. At least I hope you do. There's a lot of things in life that you have to do over. We don't mind doing that, but I ain't praying again. Pray. 
Talk to God about your problem. Talk to God about your needs. Go to the Word of God. That's the instruction. You know what I'm convinced? If you have a problem tonight, if you are struggling with an addiction or you're struggling with an attitude or, or you're struggling with, with anger or you're struggling with lust, if you will take the book of Proverbs and just read that book through in one month, I don't mean every day, but just read the book of Proverbs through uh, in a month, I promise you that reading that book alone will help put in your hand tools that will help you tear down strongholds that are wrecking and making your life miserable. I double dog dare you. Amen. Love. You say, what do you mean, brother? You say, I mean love. How many of you like to do gardening? You know, I learned something about flower beds. I, I, I've always loved beautiful flower beds. But it wasn't until I started trying to have one that my love for flowers reciprocated in a hate for weeds. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, I love beautiful flowers, but I have learned that my love for flowers has caused me to hate some other things. You know what? If you will learn how to love the right things, it'll cause you to hate the wrong things. If you learn how to love right principles, it'll cause you to hate and detest wrong principles. If you learn how to love right words, it will cause you to learn to hate wrong words. If you have a problem with cursing or swearing and you just can't control it, I promise you that if you will fall in love with good words... It'll help you hate those bad words. It just works that way. And if you will learn how to fall in love with right, with good, with uprightness, it will cause you to hate those things that oftentimes destroy your life and my life. The power of the Spirit. I'm closing. I told you it wasn't going to be long, and here I am rambling on. The second thing that Paul talks about is that we fight issues, not causes. We fight issues, not causes. Pull up verse number four again and number five, if you would. We deal with symptoms in our life, not problems. We deal with the, the, the temperature, but not the disease that's causing the temperature. And until we address the cause of the problem, you're not going to fix the effect or the symptom of the problem. And listen, look at what he said. Pull it up if you don't mind. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 10. I, I don't, I closed my Bible. I need to get it back open. He said, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Go to the next one. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself 
against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So this is what Paul is saying. Paul is saying the reason some of you are losing this battle, the reason there's division, the reason there's passions that are out of control, the reason that you can't get along, the reason that you fall by false doctrine is because you are trying to deal with a symptom and you're not dealing with the cause. You're dealing with issues. Listen to me. If you struggle with addiction, quit dealing with the addiction, the, uh, the issue, and find the core, the source, the reason, the cause. If there's a lust or if there's a desire, don't, you can fight that until you fall over dead and you're never going to solve your problem until you go to the root of the matter. And the root of the matter is what is causing this. And he gives us what causes it. Imagination. Wrong thinking. Wrong thinking that keeps people bound in cycles of defeat. I'm talking about wrong thinking, warped thinking. I'm talking about negative thing. I'm talking about listening to what people say and, and, and just t- taking that in and say, well, I'm just a loser. I'm just a, uh, uh, I'm just an alcoholic. You know what I don't like about some programs that try to assist people is that they try to continue, continually identify them with their problem. You need to start identifying yourself with the source, the answer to that problem, and it begins in your thinking. So he said, you're going to pull down imagination. You're going to pull down wrong thinking. You're going to quit thinking in those terms you're going to quit thinking in that in that vein you're not going to allow those thoughts to control your mind any longer he said not only that but you're going to deal with the issue of pride and every high thing there's a lot of people that won't change not because they don't know enough to change but because they have too much pride to humble themselves and say you know what I need to straighten this out. We just keep going through life. Ain't nothing wrong with me. What's wrong with me? What? I ain't nothing wrong with me. <laughs> you know, nothing wrong with me. And the truth is, all they are bound by is a spirit of pride. And that pride is the root of the problem. And then there is a lack of submitting to authority, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. That word, that phrase right there indicates that there is a rebellion against that. There is an unwillingness to submit to authority. There's an unwillingness to say, you know what, God? I need your help. God, I I, I come tonight and I need your hand upon my life. Let's stand together. Pulling down strongholds. Amen. Pulling down strongholds. I want to see this church. I want to see many of you here tonight. I want to see you be able to reach up and take hold. And if you 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 gotta you gotta have the understanding and the knowledge to know how to fight. You gotta have the right kind of weapons to fight with. And you've got to learn how to deal with the cause. To deal with the root. Quit dealing with symptoms.
me. To learn to use the resources that God has made available to every one of us. God did not design us to be failures. He didn't design us to be losers. He didn't design us to be anything less than victorious. And even though sin came in to the picture and failure and moral corruption and all of the evils that have come since that time, God had a plan. And that plan came through throughout the Word of God. There is a royal red thread that runs the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood, all the way through Scripture until you get to the culmination of those things in the New Testament in Jesus Christ. God said, I've got an answer. I'm going to win that back. I'm going to gain that back. We're going to tear down that stronghold. We're going to tear down that area that I've lost control. We're going to bring down that, that doorway. We're going, to, we're going to blast out that step that the enemy has notched into to our life so he can get in. Anybody here interested in tearing down a stronghold in your life? I hope tonight that you have gotten hold of something from the Word of God and you'll start working on that. Amen. Go back to this book. There's a lot of good stuff in this book. I mean a lot of good stuff. Everyday good stuff. Things that will see you through whatever you're going through. Things that will give you knowledge and understanding how to deal with people, how to deal with problems, how to overcome this, how to overcome. It's in the book. It's in the book. Read it. Pray. Pray. Pray again. Pray again. Pray again. Learn how to love the right things. When you start loving the right things, I promise you, you'll start hating the wrong things. I promise. And quit struggling with the issue and get to the cause. Let's pray. Father, I love you tonight. Thank you for your hand upon this place. For every man, every woman, every saint of God that's in this building. Lord, I know that you gave me the word for somebody, and I give it to them tonight. I pray that that word will not just go into their ear, but into their heart and mind and spirit, and it will become part of who they are. And they walk out of here reaching up, saying, enough is enough. I'm pulling that down. That's coming down. I'm not going to be vulnerable to that anymore. I'm not going to be a victim of that anymore. I'm not going to be held by that anymore. I'm not going to be destroyed by that anymore. I'm not going to be tormented by that anymore. It's coming down. It's coming down. It's coming down. In Jesus' name, I want you to reach up and just grab hold of it. Just reach up. Pull it down. Pull it down. Tear it down.